Welcome to the Impact Church Podcast, and thank you so much for joining us as we seek to establish Christ followers who live in obedience to God's Word and make an impact in their community and the world through the gospel of Jesus Christ. Today, Pastor Brad continues in his sermon series called Psalms of Summer as he speaks from Psalm 27 about waiting upon the Lord. So when the day of resistance comes, we can stand strong. Are you ready to make an impact for Christ? The time is now. Good morning, Impact Church. How we doing this morning? All right. Anybody else excited to be in the house of the Lord besides me? Come on. That's right. Amen. Glad to have you here. We're going to dive right in and waste no time because we're continuing our Psalms of Summer series where we've been taking a psalm each week and expositionally going through that passage and learning what God has for us. So today's no different. We'll be in Psalms 27 today with the title of our message being weight training. And we're not talking about lifting weights. We're not going to do bench press and squats and deadlifts and stuff today. What we are going to learn is how to enter God's weight training program, W-A-I-T, weight training program. So a message from the Lord today that we all can benefit from, every single one of us in here. So we know what physical weight training is and, and what that entails. Whether you take part in it or not, you understand that basically you lift weights, especially repetitively, and you stay consistent with it, and you get stronger, right? Whether you do that or not, you understand that concept. But so many people don't, maybe don't understand the physiology behind why you get stronger, all right? Because when you lift weights, what happens is you're actually tearing the muscle fiber. You're actually breaking it apart. And then you have to give time for it to recover, to heal. And when it heals, it heals back stronger, bigger, so that it's ready to hold more resistance in the future, Somebody got to be getting a message already because they know where we're going spiritually with this. Because I believe there's somebody in here today, you're going through some WAIT weight training. And God may be trying to do something in you and strengthen you for something that he wants to do with you in the future. You see, when we weight train, though, if we just keep doing, we might get used to a, a certain weight. And if we just stay at that weight in the weight room, you're never going to get stronger. You're never going to get bigger. You may say, oh, man, I, I finally got up where I could bench 200 pounds. Great. Well, if you just stay at 200 pounds, you're never going to bench 300 pounds. you got to pro pro progressively put more resistance on so that you grow. Guys, the same is true for us spiritually. But here's the problem. You and I, it's just human nature. We don't want resistance, do we? We don't want to wait on things. We don't want to trust God. We want to take things in our own hands. And, and that's the same spiritually as physically just doing the same weight and never letting God grow you. You know, weight training in terms of W-A-I-T, waiting on something is not very popular. Matter of fact, it's the opposite of what we're taught and what we see in our society. You know, we live in this kind of high-speed society. We have fast food. Have it your way. Everything's got to be done at our request and the way we want it. We live in the, the world of high-speed internet, although we don't have any today. But we live in a world of high-speed internet, right? Where, you know, hey, man, I only have 1G on my phone, man. I got to have 4. I got to have 5G now, man. 3G's nothing. 
We can't wait for any things anymore. I remember when the internet first started and it was dial-up. Y'all remember that? Where you get on AOL and they I mean, forever. And you had to wait. And when a picture downloaded, it was like in sections as it loaded up. Y'all remember that with me? Those of y'all are over 30 years old. Y'all know what I'm talking about. All right, everybody else will be like, what? Yeah, we used to have to do that. You have to wait on a picture to download and forget streaming a movie. That won't happen. But today we live in this. It's got to be faster. It's got to be quick. We got to have it now. We got to have it our way. And if we don't, we get upset, don't we? We get frustrated, highly upset. It's the culture we live in that's teaching us this. We have not only that, you, you go forward and now we've got loans and and high mortgages at our fingertips. You don't have to wait to have a new car anymore. You don't have to save up and wait. You don't have to wait to have a house. You just go get yourself in debt and, and live it out. We don't have to wait for anything. And guys, subconsciously what happens with that as we go through a culture like this, we expect God to do the same thing for us that our society is doing for us. Making sure we have it our way. Making sure we have it now. Making sure we don't have to wait for anything we need or want. But that's not what God does. So today, we're all going to get a lesson on God's weight training program. Are you ready? Are you ready? Let's get stronger together. Let me pray for us before we dive in. Dear Lord, we love you. Father, we thank you for Jesus. Lord, we thank you for your word, Father, who you are. Lord, as you reveal yourself to us through your word, who you are, how you strengthen us, how you grow us. Lord, how we can learn to trust, depend on you, grow in our faith, and have confidence in you and who you are. Lord, help us to see that in your word today. Lord, that we leave here different than how we came in. Maybe some of us are going through a a situation in our life right now where we need this message and we need to trust in you and we need to wait on you while actively seeking you. Maybe some of us will learn from this message from a past mistake where we didn't wait on you and we'll know now how how to walk through that differently next time. So Lord, right now I pray that you would speak, that you would change hearts, minds, and lives like only you can do through your word and through your spirit. So, Lord, we're going to give you praise in advance for everything you're about to do. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so if you have a copy of God's word, you can turn with me to Psalms chapter 27 and be there. But what we're going to get today, obviously, as you can see from this introduction, is we're going to get a psalm today, a message in this psalm that gets to the heart of something that we all deal with, every single one of us. And it's really going to expose where our trust, where our faith, where our confidence is. It's really what it's going to do. It's going to expose our weaknesses, right? That's what good weight training does is exposes where you're weak and where you need to work. So what we're going to do is we're going to expose our weakness today, yours and mine, all of us, everybody. You know, it's it's often we, we talk about trusting the Lord, but when it comes to waiting on him, we find we're not very good at that. Maybe I'm speaking for myself, but I feel like a lot of you would be like me. You see, we want things done, and we want things done quickly, and, and, and we want it now. And it's hard, guys. It really is hard to submit to God's timing on his answer, isn't it? Oftentimes, it's even hard to submit to God's answer that he gives to the question or the problem that we have. 
So I don't know about you, but a lot of times when, when things don't go my way or when I'm in a season of having to wait, oftentimes I, I, I get frustrated, I get anxious, and get a little antsy. How about you? And you start thinking about, okay, what do I need to do? What do I need to do to make this happen, to get this done, blah, 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 to, to fix this? When so oftentimes God is taking us through something to grow us, and if we try to get through it quickly and get out of it, we miss the lesson. We miss the strength training of our faith that God wants to move us in. Then how about, how about this? Maybe some of y'all are like me. You ever try to give the Lord some advice? Yeah, right? You know, oh, well, uh, I think we should do it this way. And how about now? And how about in, in this time? And it's got to look this way. Fill in the blank. We like to give the Lord advice. Here's the problem. The Lord's ways aren't our ways and his thoughts are not our thoughts. All right? So he sees things and knows things that we don't. Plus, in the bigger picture, a lot of our advice we're giving him, let's be honest, is to try to make things easier on us, isn't it? If we're just blatantly honest. We want things to be easy on us. So we try to give God advice, but God doesn't want things always to be easy because if things are easy, we will never trust in him. Guarantee. So oftentimes we have a hard time and we try to give God advice, and then when he does not take our advice, because... He often doesn't because he's God and we're not. Then we start to get more frustrated. And if we're not careful, and if we go through all kinds of situations in our life that way, especially repetitively, we will start to lose trust and faith in God. You will and I will. So we have to be careful that we're trusting and looking to God and not ourselves, not our own answer that we're looking for. So let's go ahead with that kind of introduction and let's read this psalm, Psalms Chapter 27, and hear God's word. It says, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked came against me to eat up my flesh, my enemies and foes, they stumbled and fell. Though an army may encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. The war may rise against me. In this, I will be confident. One thing I have desired of the Lord that I will seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. For in the time of trouble, he shall hide me in his pavilion. In the secret place of his tabernacle, he shall hide me. He shall set me high upon a rock. And now my head shall be lifted up above my enemies all around me. Therefore, I will offer sacrifices of joy in his tabernacle. I will sing. Yes, I will sing praises to the Lord. Verse 7. Hear, O Lord, when I cry with my voice. Have mercy also upon me and answer me. When you said, seek my face, my heart said to you, your face, Lord, I will seek. Do not hide your face from me. Do not turn your servant away in anger. You have been my help. Do not leave me nor forsake me, O God of my salvation. When my father and my mother forsake me, then the Lord will take care of me. Teach me your way, O Lord, and lead me in a smooth path because of my enemies. Do not deliver me to the will of my adversaries, for false witnesses have risen against me, and such as breathe out violence. 
I would not have lost heart unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. And then he closes with this verse. Wait on the Lord. Be of good courage and he shall strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. We get a strong message from David right there. A man that had been through a lot. And obviously was going through a lot as he wrote this psalm inspired by the Holy Spirit to put words on parchment there. So this psalm entitled just a psalm of David of David is hard and oftentimes impossible as many of the others to really pinpoint what part of David's life this was written in. Because we know his life was filled with enemies and adversaries and false witnesses and people tongue lashing him and coming against him, trying to kill him, everything else. So his life was filled with that. So at what portion? Who knows? But we know that he was writing this psalm from a time of trouble. But yet inside of it, it is a psalm of confidence and triumph, of faith in his God. So there's the message in that for us today. Right off the bat, in the first verse... He highlights some things. He highlights three things of who the Lord is and why he has confidence in him. Because what we're going to see is if you don't have confidence in the Lord, you will not wait on him. I'm going to say it again. You know what I'm saying? If you don't have confidence in the Lord, if you don't trust him, you don't have faith, you will not wait on him. You will go your own way. You will run to Oprah and Dr. Phil and everybody else. Let them fix it, right? Anybody but God, just somebody come and answer me and fix. I need it now. I need it now. You, if don't, you do not have confidence in God. You will not wait on him. You will not get stronger in your faith. You will not. So let's look at what David saw in God that he knew that he could be confident in. What does he say? There's three things. Verse one. First of all, he says he's a light. He said, Lord is my light. What is light? It's the opposite of darkness, right? Light overtakes darkness. Light conquers darkness. There's no amount of darkness that can overtake light. I want you to think about that. I don't care how dark it gets. One small light penetrates it. That's it. That's who God is. Maybe you're in a dark season in your life right now, and it looks like there's no way. Is God your light? Because if he is, then you can trust and have confidence in him because he is who he says he is. We know all through scripture that there's references to God being light and God's like a light. But when you look in the Old Testament, this is the only direct application in the Old Testament as to the name light being given to God. We know in 1 John 1 in the New Testament, it says God is light. But here is in the Old Testament, it's the only direct application that God is light, that he is David's light in the darkness. He's the only way he can see. I mean, you ever been in a, in a dark forest or a dark room when the power goes out, especially if you live out in the country where I am, when there's no street lights? When it's dark, it's dark. I mean, you can't, you know what I'm saying? You can't see your hand in front of your face. And the only way you're going to do anything Anything without tripping and falling on your face is to have some light. So there's a message spiritually for us today. If you're in a dark season, the only way you're going to be able to move forward, advance, and do anything else is if you have some light. 
God is light. David had confidence in that. Next thing he says is, the Lord's my salvation. And if you ask us, we might come up and you might say, hey, what's salvation? And we might give that, the, the good gospel answer. Salvation is Christ and the finished work at Calvary. And, and it's by, by faith we're saved. It's not of works so that no one can boast. And, and we might say that's salvation. It's forgiveness of our sins. And that's true. That's part of it. But in this word salvation, the Hebrew word for salvation here in the Old Testament means deliverer, deliverance. So what's David saying again? Almost saying the message is last week. God is my deliverer. He gets me out of things. That's what salvation is, isn't it? He delivered you from the penalty of sin, from the bondage of sin. You don't have to be a slave to sin anymore. He's your deliverer. That's salvation. David knew him to be his deliverer in so many ways. And even here's David, a, a skilled, experienced warrior. He must have, be, he must have been like a, a physical specimen. You know what I'm saying? He must have been like really like, like something. But yet still, in his warrior status, he was still weak. He was still a man inside. There were still some things he could not overcome in his own strength. And he needed God to be his deliverer. And God proven himself in the past. So the first two things we see, light and salvation. So we see God's character, and it's even pointing to the, the, the Messiah, the, the promise of the Messiah that will come, that, that Jesus is, is our light and our salvation, right? And he knew it, even back in Old Testament times, who God is, his character. Next thing he says, the third thing he says in that passage says, the Lord is the strength of my life. We've talked about this a little bit last week, but he's his strength. And this Hebrew word is the word for stronghold. Again, you go back to that idea of a fortress that we talked about last week. It's a place of protection, a place of safety, a place that you can get in when the enemy's firing at you so that you're hidden, so that you're safe. That's the idea of this strength of my life. You're my stronghold. Has anybody besides me ever felt like the enemy is throwing the whole arsenal at them? Where you, you know what? It's just, it's just time to retreat. It's time to retreat and get back under the shelter of an almighty God. It's like, God, I can't handle this, but you can. God, I, I, don't, I don't know what to do, but you do. You ever been there? Do you ever run back to God? You see, our tendency, again, is, is, is to make the battle against flesh and blood and the people that are coming against us. And that's not what God wants us to do. We need to retreat back to him and let him handle the spiritual battle. Because if we try to take things in our own hands again physically, we don't wait on him, and we do it ourselves, and we lash back out, we jack things up, don't we? We screw it up. Then we get our own self in trouble and make our own self look bad. So the best thing we can do is stay quiet and just sit back and let the Lord do what only he can do. Revenge is the Lord's. It's what the Bible says, but that's hard for us. That's hard. It goes back into waiting and trusting God. So we see these three things here, light, salvation, and he's our strength, our stronghold. So what does that imply? If there's light, that means there's going to be some darkness in your life. Get ready for it. You're going to need God to guide you through. If he is our salvation, our deliverer, that means there's going to be some things that you can't get through on your own, and you're going to need him. You're going to need his strength, and if he's your stronghold, there's going to be some times where the enemy is just wailing at you. There's going to be some times where you need to get in his cover and his fortress, and you're just going to need to let God 
handle it. And you just sit under him as your strong tower. So if we rarely know what it is to have God be our, our light, our salvation, or our strength, perhaps it's because we trust in too many other things to be our light or our salvation or our strength. Where are you looking for your light, your guidance, your way? Where are you looking right now for your deliverance to get out of things? Is it in a bottle? Is it in a pill? Is it on a computer screen? Where are you looking to, 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 to just fill yourself up and try to, to escape and move away? Are you trusting God to deliver you? Or are you looking to the things of this world? Are you looking to human wisdom? Maybe your own wisdom. Part of being light, you think about light and shining away, is perspective. Is God your perspective? Or is your own wisdom your perspective? Because there's a big difference in how we see things oftentimes and how things really are. There really is. What's your perspective? Are you seeing it from God's point of view or your seat? Because God's got a higher seat and he can see and know better than we can. So if we don't trust him, if we don't have strength, maybe we're dependent on too many other things. Or how about this? If we don't know God as our strength or our light, and we don't think we need that kind of thing, maybe it's because we're not standing up for the Lord like we should. What do you mean, Brad? Let me tell you this. The Bible says in 2 Timothy 3 that all those who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Did you know that? All. A-double-L. All means all, and that's all all means. And it doesn't say all people who go to church. It doesn't say all people who call themselves a Christian, because there's plenty of those. It says all people who what? Desire to live a godly life. That's when you will be persecuted. You will be. That's when you will need God to be your light, your salvation, and your stronghold, when you desire to live a godly life. But here's how you can get out of it. You ready? There's, there's one thing you can do to get out of all persecution. You know what that is? Compromise. Compromise. If you compromise on your faith, on your walk, on your Lord, on his word, you don't need him to be your light. You definitely don't need to be delivered from anything because everybody likes you. You don't need him as your stronghold because ain't nobody attacking you. See the picture? So maybe, just maybe, if you don't see and feel and know God like this, maybe you need to do a gut check and just really ask God, Lord, where am I going for these things? Or what am I doing that I don't feel like I need these things from you? And maybe I need a change today and stand for you. We know David stood up. We said it from the beginning. Confidence in God is the key to weight training, right? Gaining confidence in God is seeking him, knowing him. We're going to dive into that part. David sought God, knew him, and trusted him. And what David had done was step out in faith numerous times. I know y'all remember the story of David and Goliath. This is the same David we're talking about, by the way. What did he do? Oh, he slew Goliath with a stone. That's the overall thousand-foot view picture. But if you get down here in the microscope, for 40 days and 40 nights, this dude Goliath had intimidated an entire army of trained warriors. Not a bunch of chumps off the street. Trained Israelite warriors with gear and weapons. Scared. 
And they wouldn't do what they were trained to do. But it took a teenage shepherd boy who trusted in an almighty God and had confidence in God. Why? Because God had shown himself faithful with the lion and the bear. Remember? So that's what he told them. Say, hey, the same God who delivered me then is going to deliver me now. And he stood up in the face of an enemy who had instilled fear in an entire army. You know, we just kind of arbitrarily say this story and just think about the Goliath fallen. But we fail to see that David wasn't a coward when a whole army was. I wonder if there's anybody in here who's not a coward. I wonder if there's a whole army of God out there that God wants to rise up, but they're laying dormant and fearful. And is God's waiting on one person, one person who trusts in him and his confidence to stand up against an enemy who has instilled fear in his people. I wonder if there's somebody who wants to stand for truth and love, who does not want to compromise so that they don't get unfriended on Facebook, who wants to, to stand with Jesus and would rather offend man than offend God. I wonder if there's anybody. Because here's the beautiful picture. When David did that, yes, David slew Goliath. But then, beautiful point, you can go back and read it later, the story. What happened after David slew Goliath? What happened? What does the Bible say? The Israelites charged the Philistines. Oh, you mean for 40 days, them cats that ain't been doing nothing? Because one teenager, one person who had confidence in God and trust and knew him, that he was his light, his salvation, and his stronghold. One man stood up and an entire army did what they were supposed to do. Oh, come on. That's, that stuff fires me up. Y'all visiting today be like, y'all pastor's crazy. Is he always like this? Yeah, he is. Man, that stuff fires me up. What does God want us to do? Man, just to step out in confidence and trust him and wait on him. And know that he's God and he's going to deliver when our heart's right before him. So many instances like that. So David's confidence in God was battle-tested. He wasn't some fair-weather Christian. That's what we want to be. We want, we want smooth sailing, Jesus. Woo! I want life to be good. No, it's in the battle where you know who God is. Why do you ask for smooth sailing? Ask for rough seas. God, I want to see you. I want to see your hand on my life, on my family, on my home, on my church, on my community. Yes, there's going to be persecution for all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus. But that's the only thing God accepts from you and me is a godly life. That's it. And we can't do it on our own. We can only do it by submitting and surrendering to his spirit, living life through his power. Are you doing that? Or are you out there on the ocean by yourself? God wants to be your strength, your light, your deliverer. The Bible says in verse 2, they stumbled and, and, and fell. His, David talks about his enemies. Say when they come against him, they'll stumble and fall. That's him knowing and trusting God. He saw Goliath stumble and fall. It's a precursor when you look forward and you know when, when Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane and, and all the soldiers came with Judas to arrest him. You remember that? And they said, where's Jesus of Nazareth? And Jesus said, I'm he. What happened? Y'all remember? He fell down. They staggered back and fell down. There's power in the presence of God. Do you have his presence in your life? Doesn't mean things are going to be easy. Doesn't mean you won't get attacked, slandered, come upon. David is an example of that to us right here. But he knows and trusts that God is in control. 
And there's power in his presence. There's power. Then verse 4 in this passage says, One thing I've desired of the Lord that I will seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord when? One day of the week? All the days of my life. He, what are you talking about? Whoa, 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 whoa. He just wanted to sit in a building? Ah, no. He wanted to be what? In God's presence. The temple of the Lord is where, at that time, is where the Holy Spirit was, right? In the Holy of Holies. He wanted to be where God was. Do you want to be where God is? Do you want to be in his presence all the time? I'm going to be honest. It's hard in our society to get people to want to come to church on Sunday, one day a week. You know what the average church attendance is now for, for a consistent church attender? Two times a month. Half. Half. And that's just one day a week. David said, I want to be in your house every day. I want to be in your presence. And I'm not saying we should come to church every day. Please don't get me right. Oh, come on. No, that's not what I'm talking about. And I'm not trying to be legalistic here. But I'm saying, where is your desire? Do you desire to be in the Lord's house amongst his people, praising him, worshiping him, hearing from his word, letting his move move your heart? Do you desire that? Man, I'm scared for the people that don't want to be at church. And think of any other excuse to, to not be here. If you don't want to be in the Lord's house on Sunday, why would you want to be in his presence when you die? That might be a little strong, but it's about time for somebody to wake up. God ain't playing games. Where's your heart? Where's your heart? Is it with Jesus or is it not? Man. It comes from this, this passage here in this verse. In verse 4, is a, a thirst of David for a relationship with God. And this goes back to it. Confidence is the key to wait. But how do I gain confidence in God? By knowing who he is. How do I really know who he is? By walking with him. Having a relationship with him. That's the beautiful thing of God. That, that no matter what we've done, no matter what our sin, that, that Jesus went to the cross to pay it all. Why? So we can just get a little ticket, a get out of hell free card and put it in our pocket and do the rest of our life like we want to do it? No. So we can have a relationship with him. So that the fellowship line that's broken because of sin can be restored and God can live in us and show us who he is. That's salvation. It's not just a, a, a ticket that you put in your pocket and then forget about it. It's not. It's a relationship, and inside this relationship grows confidence in God, which leads to waiting and seeing God move. And we all drift off. We all don't nurture our relationship with the Lord the way we, the way we would like to. I'm guilty of that. You're guilty of that. But this is the beautiful thing of God's word is we let it convict us and get us back on the right path and get our focus right, get our eyes back on Jesus and not on the storm to get things right. Man, there's a beautifulness and a contentment in God that David displays here. And this this calls God that that, that you're beautiful is what he says. He says that behold the beauty of the Lord. And it's something that's attractive and it's something that that you need to to, to know and understand through a relationship. And you only know the beauty of the Lord if you experience it for yourself. You don't know the beauty of the Lord just by coming and hearing me talk about it on Sundays. If that's the only beauty of the Lord you know or understand, you're missing out on who God is. Do you know him for yourself? Can you testify of his beauty, of his faithfulness? The Bible says, taste and see that the Lord is good. I can stand up here and eat a chocolate bar. And I can smack my lips and drool. And I say, "Mm, man, this is some good stuff. And I can tell you how good this is. But if you've never had chocolate, would you know what chocolate tastes like just by listening to me? What do you got to do? 
got to have some yourself. That's what the Bible's saying. You got to have some yourself. It's not good enough to listen to your, to your mom's testimony, your dad's testimony, to some sports fan's testimony, to your great mama's testimony. Do you have a testimony of God's faithfulness? Have you experienced the Lord for yourself? I invite you to do that today if you haven't. Just give your life to him. He is all of who he says he is. David says in verse 5, he'll set me up on a high rock. Man, you know, you had this game back when you were little called King of the Hill. When you get up on something, you're kind of pushing people off. You know what I'm saying? They don't do that stuff no more because that's too violent for kids, I guess. But, but, but when you're on the King of the Hill, it's like you, you're at a vantage point. You can see everything coming around you, and you have leverage and ability. So, so David's saying, he's going to lift, set me up high on a rock. It's a, another idea of safety, of security. And then get this. You know the presence of your enemies around you. He alludes to that in verse 6. He said, my head shall be lifted up above my enemies. My head shall be lifted up. What are some things that get your head down? Fear, shame. Are you going through life dragging your head with your head down? Are you living in fear, shame? Because God come to set you free from that. That's why he said at the beginning of this, if the Lord's my light, my salvation, my stronghold, whom shall I fear? Whom shall I be afraid? I have reason to hold my head up. The Bible tells us that there is no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. You have no reason to be living in shame anymore for your past sin. If you're in current unrepentant sin, yeah, there's shame there. You need to repent and get it right. Then you can pick your head up again. Because Jesus said, I'll cast your sin as far as the east is from the west. I remember your sin no more. We've said it before. Your mother-in-law remember it, but God doesn't. So, man, pick your head up. God wants to lift your head up. And then he says, above your enemies. He's going to lift my head up above my enemies. What does that mean? First of all, you can see, right? If your head's up above the enemies, you can see. You can see who they are. What does that mean? God can, can sometimes will give you discernment when you're walking with him on somebody's true character and who they are. Everybody else may think they're all that in a bag of chips. But if their motives aren't right and their heart's not right, and you're walking with God the way you should, he'll show you things that other people just don't see. When people really reveal who they are in their character, to lift your head up above your enemies gives you discernment, gives you safety. Verse 7 says, hear my cry. Man, if you ever thought that uh, you're in a situation where you feel like the Lord wasn't listening or maybe didn't hear you, David was in it right here. This proves that David was going through some weight training. Everything we're talking about says, Lord, hear my cry. Man. How many times have you or I been in situations where we're just praying, we're just waiting, we're just seeking. We just feel like we're getting pelted from the enemy. We just feel like the the weight of the world's on our shoulders. We feel like maybe everything's going wrong, nothing's going our way. And we feel like we're praying and we're praying and we're praying. And you feel like God's not hearing. You've been there? Maybe you're there right now. David's right there. But even inside of that... There was the first part of the psalm is he knew who God was and he knew he could trust him. There's the last part where he's going to tell us to wait on him. But yet David's still human like you and me. And he was crying out to the Lord in desperation. Verse 9, he says, don't hide your face from me. I'm going to move us along. He says, don't hide your face from me. Don't turn your servant away in anger. 
You've been my help. Do not leave me nor forsake me, O God of my salvation. What is he saying there? He's holding God to his word. Hold up. Is it okay to hold God to his word? Yeah. If you hold him to his word in context, (laughs) got to do that first, right? It's got to be in context. Second, it's got to be with the right motives and with the right heart. And if any of those are out of whack, then you're in sin when you come against, against God. David wasn't against God, but he's asking him and he's reminding him of his promises. In a way, David's reminding himself of God's promises. You ever had to do that? You've been in a situation, you just got to remind yourself who God is and of his promises because life's hard. That's where David is. And he's saying, don't hide your face from me. He's holding God to his word in context with the right heart and with the right motives. Why? Because the Lord delights to show himself to his children. He does. The Bible tells us to seek and you will what? Find. That's a promise. David is holding God to his promise. You seek me, you will find me. If you seek me with all your heart, that's what David was doing. We've seen his heart just poured out in the first part of that passage. That's why we know he has the right heart to say, God, don't hide from me. I'm holding you to your word that I'll find you, that I'll seek you and I'll find you. Verse 10 alludes to even if his parents doesn't take care of him, that he knows God will. And it doesn't mean that David's parents had, had forsaken him or, or, or left him. But we know there was a, a, a time in, uh, I think it was 1 Samuel, where David was getting chased by Saul, and he sent his parents off with uh, King Moab for safety. But that's not what he's talking about. He's saying, hey, even if my parents disown me and don't show up, I know God will always be there. It's another dependence, confidence on God. Then verse 11, it's almost this prayer starts and and this teach me your way, O Lord. Teach me your way. Is that the desire in the prayer of your heart today? For God to teach you his way. That is a humbling heart. It is a heart that, that God honors. I don't want my way. I don't want the world's way. God, teach me your way. And when you teach me your way, when you show me something, maybe put your thumb on something in my life that needs to be removed, I need your strength to say yes. Because I want your way. Too many times we make excuses when God illuminates something in his word that we need to take care of in our life. And we try to make excuses and run from it or find another teacher to say something different. There are going to be plenty of those, by the way. You'll find all kinds of them. We preach the word and something steps on your toes. You, know, you go ask brother so-and-so down the street. Did, 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 what? Nah. You're going to find some of them ear ticklers. They'll tell you something. Are you going to listen to God or man? Who are you going to listen to? When God shows something, is your heart, teach me your way? This was David's. Lead me on a smooth path. What does that mean? He wasn't asking for it to be easy. Because it already wasn't easy. He's asking for a level surface. That Hebrew word in there is is the idea of a a level ground where where he could be stable and secure to stand against the storms of life that he was facing. How about you? Man, it's not about praying for it to be easy. It's, Lord, give me strength. Give me a, a way that I can stand with you. 
And then we come down to the end in verse 14. And David's going to speak right to you and me. And he says, wait on the Lord. After all this, after saying, Lord, don't you hear my cry? Lord, that my enemies are coming against me and are camped against me. All this stuff. He says, wait on the Lord. Be of good courage. I believe there's a good man to listen and see what courage looks like right there, don't you? Anybody's going to have that track record that he has, even as a man where he, we know he's, he had fallen. He was a sinner and he fell with Bathsheba and he denied his sin for a while. And all the things he had done, he was a man of courage. He stood for what was right. That's why the Bible calls him a man after God's own heart. Man, it's just, he wanted what God wanted. And he stood with the Lord. And so here he tells us to wait. And he says, and he shall strengthen your heart. If you feel like you're at a point in life where you're weak right now, hang on. Hang on. God will strengthen your heart. If you wait on him, you're going to see him show up. Wait, I say, on the Lord. It may not be in your timing. It'll be in God's. It may not be your way. It'll be God's. But we need to trust in him. Isaiah verse, uh, chapter 40, verse 31 conveys this same idea. It says, but those who wait upon the Lord. It says, but those. And, and, it, and it's, that idea is selective. In other words, it's not going to be everybody. It's those that wait upon the Lord. Then what's going to happen? They shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not grow weary. They shall walk and not faint. That's a promise from God's word. To wait on him. And God will restore. And he's strengthening you for something. So many times David seems like he's talking to himself in these psalms and having to remind himself of who God is because he's in a struggle. How about you and I? Don't we need to do that? We need to remind ourselves of God's word, of who he is, of his promises, so that we have the strength to endure, that we can trust in a holy God who delivers. So if we choose to wait on God and we see him deliver us and we experience that and we see God's hand and we can look back at times in our life where we couldn't make a way, nobody else could make a way, but God did. And we've seen the actual hand of God. We've seen that many times through this church, by the way. You know what that does? It strengthens your faith and confidence in God. It does. But the flip side is true as well. If you don't wait on the Lord and you choose to take matters in your own hands, you take your own revenge and do whatever, and you don't wait, then it weakens your faith. It makes you trust in man and circumstances and things of this world and not on God. And you actually get further away from him. So there's a weight training program, W-A-I-T, that God wants us all to be in, to trust him. And it all is about faith. And this word confidence has faith derived. And if you look at the word root, um, root words of confidence, you got cone and phyto. Cone means with and phyto means faith. It means living with faith. That's confidence. Are you living with faith? You put faith in a lot of things and you don't realize it. You put faith every time you get on an airplane. You live in total faith. You live in faith that that airplane is worthy 
to be in the sky. You put faith that somebody checked the engine and all the components to make sure that it was going to make it to where it's supposed to be. You put faith in the pilot that he's been trained right or she's been trained right to know where to fly that plane and how to fly it. You put faith in action every single time you go to the doctor and have a surgery done. You trust, as he cuts your body open and performs the surgery, that he knows what he's doing, that he was okay in med school, that he just didn't get his degree online, that he actually had some internships, some training, that he knows what he's doing, that he knows the, the, the difference between a tonsillectomy and a hysterectomy, right? There's a big difference. You, you, need a, you put trust in him. How about this? You put trust every time you go to the pharmacist, every single time. The doctor takes a piece of paper and scribbles something that looks like a chicken scratched on it. And you go take that and put it in front of the pharmacist's face. And he makes you up some concoction or some pills and says, go home and take this twice a day. That's faith. I can't read that. You can't read that. How do you think they read that? <laughs> and you go home and put that stuff in your body. That's faith. That's confidence. And trust. Do you trust God like that? If we trusted God like that, I'm going to be honest with you. This message wouldn't be needed. And that method, that just stepped on my toes probably as much as it did yours. Amen. Do we trust God without question? You don't go question the pilot and get his credentials before he takes off. But we question God every single time that we're in a situation where we have to trust him. Don't we? We question him. Don't question him. Trust him. Just get on the plane. Sit down. And it's going to your destiny. You gotta trust God for that. As I close with a, a story of, of waiting, there's a story of a guy that, that planted some bamboo, a Chinese bamboo tree. And he was frustrated because nothing happened. He planted it, and there was nothing. He planted other trees. And they had already sprouted up above the ground and were growing and you could see them and they were beautiful. But there was nothing with this Chinese bamboo tree. So he went to this guy and he asked him, he said, man, what's up with this? And the guy said, hey, with this Chinese bamboo tree, you've got to wait. You've got to wait. He said, because what you're going to see is the first year, it's not going to be nothing. The second year, you're still not going to see nothing. Third year, nothing. Fourth year, nope, nothing. But in the fifth year, it's going to grow like nothing else you've ever seen. And the guy asked, what? what? What's going on? He said, you see, you've got to wait because you planted the seed and there's something going on in the inside to prepare it for what's about to happen on the outside. You see, for the first four years where it seems like nothing's happening, a lot's actually happening. It's growing its root system and it's digging down and it's preparing to grow because when it grows in that fifth year, it's going to grow as much as 90 to 100 feet in as little as five or six weeks. And it needs the root system to grow that fast. You see, for years, it seems like nothing was happening, but it was preparing itself for the height that it was about to go to. I wonder if God's taken a long time with you. Oh, come on. Come on, somebody. Help me out. I wonder if God's taken a long time. I know somebody else is waiting on the Lord besides me in here. I know. I know it is. 
I wonder if God's taking a long time with you or with your family or with your circumstance. I wonder, I just wonder if he has us going through some weight training. And he's preparing in us and strengthening us a root system to prepare us for the height that maybe he wants to take us. He's preparing us and giving us the strength of a root system that will withstand the storm. So when we do sprout out, that we will not fall. What does God want to do with you and me in weight training? Don't run away from it. Embrace it. And let God strengthen you. See, the problem is we want a, a skyscraper destiny with a chicken coop foundation. <laughs> Lord, take me up here. We want all this, and we don't want to work. We don't want to wait. We don't want any strain, any problems, any persecution, nothing. We just want to be up here. That's not how God works. Not. God knows what's underneath is what really matters. doesn't matter how high things get up here. It's what grows underneath on the inside. What's God strengthening you for? That verse in, in Isaiah 40, it says, when you wait upon the Lord, you'll mount up with wings as eagles. So you see, an eagle is meant to soar higher than any other bird, and, and it's meant of, of majestic in its power and strength. But too many of us, you see, if we don't wait on the Lord, we're never going to soar like an eagle because we're too busy hanging out with the chickens in the chicken coop. And you're looking up at the eagles and wondering, how can I fly? See, that's what we, and we can't do that. We've got to trust God. We've got to wait upon the Lord and know that he is our strength. Y'all going to remember that forever. Well, at least you go home with something you remember. Man, let's. Wait upon God and let him take us to the heights. When you wait, it's hard. It hurts. But he's growing you. He's growing me and he's strengthening us for something. If you want God to take you somewhere, to take you to heights, you're going to have to let him take you deep. You've got to let him take you deep. Because if you don't, if you don't, you're never going to stand when the storm comes. Don't give up on God. No matter how much you've waited, no matter how hard it is, do not give up on God because I'm going to tell you right now, God's not giving up on you. If you have breath in your lungs, there's still hope for your life. Will you give your life to Jesus today, right now, 100%? Let's bow our head. Let's close our eyes right now as we close. I wonder, I just wonder right now if there's anybody in here. You might say, Brad, I've never surrendered my life to Jesus. I've believed in Jesus. I've said a few prayers to Jesus, but I've never surrendered my heart and my life to his lordship. I've never made him Lord. If that's you, I want you to do that today before you walk out of this place. Don't you walk out of this place without doing that. Don't you dare. Today is the day of salvation. Make him Lord of your life. No matter what you're going through, you can grow in confidence with him. Do that today. Or maybe you're here and you might say, Brad, I've walked with the Lord previously in my life, but lately, man, life's gotten hard. I've drifted away and, man, things have been tough. And that light that once was on fire in me has grown dim. And I want to I reignite that passion, that fire in my heart for the Lord. I want to stand up.
be able to stand up in courage like David, even amongst a, a group of trained warriors who are dormant and scared and fearful. I want to stand up with faith and confidence in God and let God do something in me that will ignite people around me to stand as well. And I want to rededicate my life to that today. That I want to come back on my knees and call him holy, to call him Lord today. So if that's you, any and all of that, you want to receive him, make him Lord for the first time, or you want to rededicate your life to him today, I want you to boldly and unashamed right now, from your heart to God's heart, I want you to ask him to forgive you, to strengthen you. Ask him to be your light, your salvation, the strength of your life right now today, just from your heart to God's heart. And I want you to do that by speaking these words from your heart to God's heart. And just know that these words by themselves don't save you. This is not a magic prayer. It's your heart. Are you ready to surrender to the Lordship of Jesus today and repent? That means turn away from your sin, turn away from yourself, turn away from the things of this world and turn back to a holy God. That is salvation. Will you have that today? If that's you, to receive that or to rededicate your life, just say, dear God, I admit to you right now that I'm a sinner. And Lord, I'm in need of you, my Savior. Thank you, Father, for sending your only son, Jesus, to die on a cross, God in the flesh, that I could have forgiveness of my sin, that I could be redeemed, restored, renewed. And Lord, thank you for proving yourself all-powerful, all-sovereign, and raising him from the grave three days later, proving that he is God. And Lord, he stands in victory now over all hell, death, and the grave. And Lord, I want that same victory right now in my life. I need it. So Lord, my commitment to you today is I surrender. I'm done. Lead me in your ways. Because my heart is now to live for you every day of my life and be in your presence. Amen. If you prayed that right now, you meant business with God, you received him for the first time, or you rededicated your life right here to him today, would you boldly and unashamed just raise your hand and say, Brad, I prayed that prayer. I meant business with God today from my heart, and I'm not ashamed. If I don't see you, God does. Amen, church, out of all the voices that are calling out to you today, which ones are you listening to? Are you listening to the voice of truth? Because he wants to do something for his glory in your life. Will you trust him? Will you have confidence in him? Will you step out in faith? Go through and endure the weight training that strengthens your faith muscle to prepare you for everything that God has for you. Hey, let's take this message this week. Let's meditate on it. Let's go make an impact for Jesus. See you next week. Thanks again for joining us today. The Lord is truly doing an amazing work, and we would love for you to be a part of it. Check out the show notes for links to our website and social media pages. Or if you're ever in the Lynchburg or Forest, Virginia area, please come on by and join us in making an impact for Christ. Christ.